Amen. Thank you, John. Hey, Sally, come up here with me. want to do something very intentional. We're going to be talking about family today. So we've been talking about who is God week one, uh, who am I identity last week, and then we're going to be talking about who are we as the church. And so I just want to make something very clear when we introduce the elders, um, the marvelous elders or whatever the name is, amazing. I feel like one of the very greatest reasons that if there's anything amazing in me is because of this woman right here. And, um, and so I just want to say really clearly that she is a powerful leader in and of herself apart from me. And um, we are an elder couple. We are leading together. And uh, the wives, in fact, if the elders' wives, I just want to call you leaders. Leaders stand. So Kristen, Janine, uh, Julie. Where's, is Sonia in here? Okay, Sonia's back there. But so these aren't addendums to make the men look good. At Galatians 3, they do make us look really good. Um, but they're just, you guys, women, you're not adornments to prop up men in ministry or in marketplace. We are, we are partners together, just like Jesus and the bride. And so we, we have equal leadership anointings. Now, our anointings are different. The way we function is different, but um, we do it. We're not two. We're one flesh. And so God has made us one as family. And so um, I just really want to clearly honor women. As we're honoring family today, I want to honor women in this place because I feel so strongly ever since I've been coming here that that is a theme every week that the Lord wants to make really, really clear to plumb Linus. Galatians 3 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, um, slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. So we're talking about the highest law of love, how God sees things. So um, you women are anointed as leaders. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that um, uh, we, we have the full counsel of the Lord with both husbands and wives leading on these teams and single moms coming in. It's just like he's going to do so many amazing things. So are we clear? Makes sense? Okay. So Lord, I bless my wife in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the leadership anointing that she carries. I thank you for the government anointing that she carries, Lord. I thank you that it's different from mine, that neither one of us have to be or carry each other's gifting or anointing, Lord. But I thank you. I can't do it without her, and she can't do it without me. Team? Hey, tag. Okay. Good. Okay, so we are in the High Calling series, reestablishing connection. So week one, I talked about reestablishing our connection to God. And so that, that intimacy, the great commandment, the high calling is Matthew 22, to love God with everything that is in us, to reconnect to relationship with the triune Godhead, with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that the other part of the high calling is to see the earth filled with the knowledge of God's glory, to see the earth covered that every place they would know that God is God and there is no other. I love uh, Joel 2. It says, why should the nations say, where is their God? Why should the nations, why should mockers and those who scorn Psalm 2 look and point at the church and say, where's their God? 
He is in our midst. I want to see the earth filled with the knowledge that all men would know God is God and he alone rules and reigns. That is the high calling, to love him and to see that love manifested in every dark pocket on planet earth. And then last week I talked about um, our identity. So we're just, I'm summarizing the, the last couple of weeks. Next slide. Uh, I hit about who we are. So we have to know who God is. And then he, out of that overflow, he begins to say, I have to share this. You've been sitting there. So all morning we've been ministering to him. And his heart explodes like a volcano. And he says, let me minister to you. Do you know how you move me? Do you know who you are to me? Do you know that you are the apple of my eye, that one glance of your little eye ravishes my heart, that I'm not just tolerating you, I'm celebrating you, that I am for you, not against you, that we are chosen, that we are desired, that we are accepted in his heart. This is who we are. So getting that identity, this is where we get health from. This is where we get church health. We know who God is, and then out of that overflow, we begin to believe who he says that we are. Amen? So it's been a fun series, but I love where we're going today because I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and it's this, revival is family. Revival is family. So we're talking about reestablishing, next slide, reestablishing connection to each other. So to God, to ourselves, and now to one another. So some other ways of saying this, I talked about our up, down, in, out prayer model. Up as we minister to God, down as he ministers to us, in as we get to minister to one another. Call it body ministry or corporate ministry. I love to just call it family being family together. So we're learning where the devil has come in and he's unplugged connection between the body of Christ. And that's what Randy's going to hit next week. Do you know churches, the tribes in our region, they were never supposed to live as silos, isolated and disconnected. We're called to be connected one to another, that we are every joint supplies. We are the body together. He is the head. We're in this all going together as a corporate family. So Randy will hit that next week. Today, I really want to talk about us in this room. I want to deal with us in this room as, as a family together. So I shared a couple weeks ago when I started this series, next slide, I love foundations. Part of what the apostolic ministry is passionate about is laying healthy foundations in the church. It walks into a body, it walks into a tribe, and it looks both up to see what God is saying, because apostolic and prophetic work together, and then it looks down to see if there's any fissures in the ground. And it's not with a critical, haughty spirit. You will not find a critical, haughty spirit in real apostolic, only false apostolic and false prophetic. False prophetic, you could sniff it out because it's arrogant and it's critical. False apostolic, you can sniff it out because it's arrogant and it's critical. True apostolic comes in on the knees and it's examining to go, Lord, Again, what will make this place even better? Oh, there's a little fissure line. That's a hurt that came in two years ago. That's a wounding. That's a false belief system. So real deal, men and women of God in leadership, they come in to begin to heal faulty foundations. That's why I'm doing this series. 
like we here we are starting anew as the well. I want to make sure there's healthy foundation because I believe God is going to build something extraordinary out of this specific spiritual family. I think it's going to be broad and high, but it will only be as broad and high as the pylons are shoved deep into the earth. So I love taking pylons and shoving them a mile down into the earth so we can build as the Lord would give us grace to build. That's what this series is all about. It's taking every one of these five. It's a spiritual pylon, and we're shoving it into the earth that we would stand and have health. Amen? So these are the foundational, three huge foundational things. Who is God? Then who am I? But who are we? How do we relate together? Next slide. This is just a little thing the Lord gave me. I love this. It says, prayer is the engine. The Holy Spirit is the fuel. Family is the vehicle. Jesus is the path or the roadway because it says he's the way, right? Mission is the world. It's this thing around us. But heaven is our destination, the culture of heaven coming. That's the goal. It's what we're after, to see heaven uh, fill the earth. So I love that prayer is our engine. So imagine this journey as a vehicle, a ministry vehicle. And the vehicle itself, the, the, the shell of the car is family. We're not getting anywhere on this mission unless we go as family. God, there's not another example we see in the word. Even Paul on his apostolic journeys, he had a spiritual son, Timothy. They did everything as family together. And prayer is what is the engine, but engines do not work without fuel, right? So the Holy Spirit is that fuel that drives prayer that then causes this vehicle of family to go down the path of the Lord Jesus Christ, headed into mission to see heaven break out. Isn't that good? I think that's a pretty good job description for his people. Next slide. Until we see God rightly, we will never see ourselves rightly. Okay, we've established that the last couple of weeks, right? If we don't see God as he truly is, there's no way we're going to see ourselves rightly. Therefore, where two or more are gathered, there you have a mess. Marvin version, not the Passion Translation, not the message. Marvin Translation, where two or more are gathered, there you got a mess. If we don't see God rightly, we will not see one another rightly. And until we see ourselves rightly, we will never see us as the family rightly. We will be suspicious we will be critical, we will be insecure, we will be quick to judge in the wrong way, not evaluate, but just to, I love my friend, my, my, one of my best friends, Tom Grossman, he says the bad judgment where it says do not judge, remember we all get that thrown in, like do not judge, Barvin, that's not good. So there's two kinds of judgments in the word. So this is a little bunny trail. This is a freebie, okay? Tuck this in your pocket. So there is a place we're called to evaluate how our own hearts are doing in the Lord, that judge, judge how we're doing, evaluate. Evaluation is a healthy thing to look, examine. David said, examine to see if there's any fissures in me. Are there any messed up? Are there any wicked parts in me? But then Jesus starts going after the religious system that was judging. And he, he gets clear about do not judge lest you be judged. I love to see that judgment. It's like this. It's like me grabbing a I'm just going to pick on you Troy because you're you dude you're in the front row sorry guys so it's like me 
uh, not even really knowing Troy, but I just get this thing, this odd in my heart. And just so what I do, I take a permanent marker, not a erasable marker. I take a permanent marker without really having relationship with being disconnected in family. And I go up to his forehead and I write loser on his forehead, hopeless on his forehead, a permanent marker. Guys, when we judge, we're writing someone up. I'm not really going to do that, sweetie, because your dad's awesome. I bless, I bless you. I break all that in the name of Jesus. So you get what I mean. Isn't that good? It's like writing in permanent marker. It's, it's saying there's no hope for someone. That is not godly. We don't write in permanent marker on one another. The person in the furthest depths of addiction and despair who seems furthest away from God has hope, right? Has hope. And so we may have an evaluation like, that guy really needs to work on some of these things. That's fine. But we don't write a judgment in, uh, in er unerasable ink or marker saying that there's, there's lost. Okay? So it makes sense. So until we see ourselves rightly, we'll never see each other rightly, let alone the lost. How are we going to do saturate and go out as a community if we don't believe God is who he says he is? We don't believe that. We as individuals are sons and daughters, the bride. We don't believe that we're really family, yet we're going out trying to win the lost. This is a major, major issue of dysfunction. Okay, next slide. So who are we? We are family. You know I was going there, Jen. I got all my brothers and sisters and me. We actually did this as a chorus to, at the beginning of our fast. Well, actually, we had all the, the residents, the ladies at the Hope Center came in for uh, a session and we had just started our 21-day fast. I literally broke out in that course. Like, we are family. Come on, come on. I got all my brothers and sisters and me. So anyway, it worked, though. They really loved it. They were up, like, clapping happy. So God is raising up an international family of affection in the earth. This is Mike Bickle language. I love it. He's raising up an international family of affection. This is a major part of the current right now move of God going on. Revival is family. You're not going to separate the spirit moving in these coming days from this word family. So next slide. We're going to talk about triggers for a moment, okay? Will you go there with me? Family and community are not afterthoughts in God's heart as far as how the people of God express their identity. We who are in Christ are to act like a corporate family and community because we are family. This is who we are. Many people have problems with the identity of the church, um, either being the bride or as family because of the, the dysfunction, the hurts in their own marriages or their own family relationships. I just want to say clearly, be, past failures and hurts are not a reason to build a clear uh, wall and barrier in a case against what the word of God says. Hurt is never enough to build a theology around. Fear is never good enough to build a case, a biblical theology around. It will always be a crack, a fault line around you, and it will lead to shifting underneath you. So we're not going to back away from our pursuit of praying, worshiping, and living as the family of God in corporate community together. That family is God's original design for the church. So we're going to look at that. 
in the word. So next slide. It all started with family. It all started with family. Even before we were a thought in, you know, our parents' hearts, even before we were formed in our mama's womb, it started with the concept of the Trinity itself. Have you ever really thought about this clearly? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were a triune family. A triune family, this triune community. They relate as family. It was their idea, three and one, one and three, before we were ever a part of this equation. They were a community of affection. That's their nature. That's who they are. So we know the Trinity has always existed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They live, think about it, they live in complete bliss. Before we were ever around, complete joy, complete satisfaction, utter fulfillment. They are ecstatic in one another's presence. Talk about celebration. I mean, talk about praise being the highway. You have no idea what a party is until Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you get to peer in to them celebrating one another and the way they relate to each other. So ecstatic. The very definition, they're the very definition of what loving relationships look like. Next slide. So they're the, they're the idea. They're where family started. But God initiated then the first family unit. So we have the story we know of Adam and Eve. Genesis 2, um, we'll look at 21, just 21 and 22. So God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made, the, uh, made Eve. He took the rib he had taken from the man into a woman, and he brought her to the man. So God initiated this first family unit. Genesis 2.18, he said, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper who is like him. I'm going to make a partner who is like him. So he formed, um, he formed Eve. Genesis 2.24, and it's repeated. It's where we get it in Matthew 19. But this is why a man leaves his mother and father, uh, his father and mother, and, the bond, and bonds with his wife. They become one flesh. God initiated the first family unit. This whole thing, this whole structure of creation is built on family. It's built on family. Next slide. And so... Family was God's idea because they are the most incredible family. Then God initiated the first people created, became a family unit. Amazing. He's like, we're going to share this. And then from the very beginning, God intended family to grow. He never, he was, God has never been into us for no more. God has never been the author of the good old boys club. Us for no more. You can come in. We're the click. No, God is all about his kingdom expanding forever and ever and ever. He is the perpetual growth guy. So he says in Genesis 1.28, listen, now that you guys are a family unit, here's what I want to see. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with God lovers. Fill the earth with worshipers. I want more of you. I love you, Adam and Eve, so much. I love who you are and the reflection of who you are of us on the earth. Fill the earth with that. Fill the earth with family. God wants the earth filled with a family of worshipers. Why? God wants a big, 
functional family who gets along, are growing in love. They're not, again, not just growing in numbers. So God's economy, God math is so different from man math. The way God, uh, I think God really views success is not nickels and noses, although those are okay things, but it's not the highest. God, it's like he rips our chest open and he peers in and he says, is your heart growing? Are you learning to love? Bob Jones in his great vision years ago, he's taken up into heaven, saw this long line of people from every tribe, tongue, rich, poor, from every nation. And, and Jesus is seated at a table and they're all get their turn before Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit. He's like, I want to hear this. I want to eavesdrop. What is the question? He noticed there was only one question being asked of every single person when they stood before the Lord. And the Lord, uh, when he got up there, he saw he overheard Jesus asking each person, did you learn to love? And how well did you love? Like how big is your heart becoming? So growing in love, growing in affection, and then also multiplying incense globally. Now by incense, incense is clear in scripture what it is. It's prayer and worship. It just clearly lays it out in the Revelation 5. Incense is prayer and worship, devotion to him. Next slide. For God so loved the world that he gave. So in this understanding of family, you and I were created to be other-centered. So again, I'm going after fissures here. What happens in the church is that we get... Uh, fixated on ourselves. I think Michelle Menon brought out this word last week about self-absorption. Because we started dealing with stuff even ahead of time with self-absorption. But God's original design, because that's what we're moving back towards. That's the true definition of health. What did God intend before sin interrupted, before the great crash where, where there's this chasm and this division, and Jesus came to bridge the divide and help us. Now we have to appropriate. What was he going after? What was the original design in the beginning? It was that we would be other-centered. You know, I love the word agape love. You know, we all throw out that word agape. But what agape really is, a really easy understanding, um, most love is like this. It has a hook in it. Okay, most forms of love, even phileo, you know, those different versions, it's, it's like this. Lisa, you are so awesome. I love you. Now, can you go pick me up a Starbucks? Can you go pick me up a Starbucks? Yeah, yeah, just kidding. <clears throat> so I'm just teasing. So, but, but what happens as we move back to original design, Jesus brings the hammer of his word, right, Gary? He takes the hammer of his word, both the, mainly the written word, but the prophetic word too, and he begins to beat that hook to where it becomes straight. This is agape. It means I can connect with you with no hook. It means I can, I can love Lisa without expecting or uh, being in relationship trying to get something back. Other-centered. Guys, this is the foundation of healthy family. So many of us are headed into Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, and we're just like battling hooks. You know, in families, this is why we don't enjoy Thanksgiving dinner. It's just like this battle. Let the Lord, let him beat the heck out of you this week and straighten out that hook. I had to be careful. Straighten out this hook. 
Okay, so what if we were all like this, headed into the holidays with no hook, and we were totally other-centered, not to get something from someone, just to be Jesus in the earth, just to let his love flow through us? How healthy could that look for the holidays? The problem is, is this process called sanctification, where he beats the heck out of us, and we, that's why I'm in, a flat, I'm in a fast, so that my flesh lines up. And I don't know why, but fasting is one of those voluntary, spiritual, uh, joyful, and grueling exercises that cause the hook to get straightened. It reveals things, and it shows me any, any foundational issues underneath me. It's a beautiful thing. So we're made to be givers. Do you know, I was looking at Genesis 4, the story of Cain and Abel in their offerings. The issue was Cain was not other-centered. He'd already become so bent. And so he gave, obviously there is an issue. This is an issue of worship. Abel gave with no hook. Abel gave the first and the, the first fruits. He gave this amazing sacrifice that pleased God. And again, man, uh, man looks in the outward, but God looks on in the inward. So he was examining something on the inside of Cain and Abel. He was seeing something in Abel that really pleased him because the hook had gotten beat out. And he was able to give this. But Cain still had this hook, and he just gives a measly kind of little thing without, I think with, I think he gave it disconnected. I think the problem of Genesis 4 is that Cain was connected, and I mean, sorry, Abel was connected, and Cain was walking in disconnect and giving an offering. Do not offer an offering disconnected. So, and God rebukes him. I'm learning this. Jesse Cup and I were talking about this this week, and every time there's a rebuke of the word or there's a woe unto one of the Pharisees, I see it as a beautiful invitation to return to health, return to wholeheartedness. Every time Jesus woed the Pharisees, he's like, these are my kids too. I love them. I want them healthy. Like this is an invitation to leave that wayward, prodigal, disconnected part and to move back into connection and health. It's the same way God comes to Cain and says, Cain, bro, Sin is crouching at the door. Sin is wanting to just get you. And instead of taking the rebuke as an invitation of mercy, he gets even more hard-hearted and he kills his brother. The first major family break. Can you imagine that blood, that break in the earth? And we wonder why there's such warfare against family in our day. Next slide. God has always intended that family be the basic cell of the church. Family and community are where discipleship, becoming like Christ, are to be lived out. Evangelism and mission is all about adding to God's family. Isn't that good? So discipleship is where we get to live out family. Evangelism and mission is about growing God's family. When I think about saturating, I'm like, who wouldn't want to be a part of seeing God's heart burst open because his family is growing. An unhealthy mindset is that we don't need any more. There's not room enough in the house. I don't know about you, but my word says that in my father's house are many, many, many rooms. His table, in fact, I had a vision once uh, just in, like being in the banqueting hall of heaven, and I saw the banqueting table, 
and like he came and he sat me down and I was surrounded by like every tribe and tongue. But I looked as far as I could look both ways. I couldn't see an end to the table. In fact, and I just knew in my spirit that table never ends. It goes on and on and on. I mean, until like things are finally completed. But it was like he just kept adding family to the table. And I also thought this was interesting. Anywhere that I looked, Jesus was seated next to that person. Like, how could that be? It's like, he, but wait, you're seated next to me, but my eye would land over there and he was next to them. Isn't that cool? He's just so about family and being with each other. So I just, why is there such warfare against family in our culture right now? Why is the world, especially in the West, trying to redefine family right now? It's a mocking spirit going after what God so loves, what he so enjoys. And so the enemy says, okay, well, family is a huge thing. Well, I'm going to take family. I'm going to pervert it. I'm going to twist it. I'm going to just make it look like so hideous, nothing like the father intended. Why? To bring pain to the father and destroy his creation so he will reject them. I mean, the devil is messed up. He's a liar and he's a destroyer and he takes every good and perfect gift that God gives and he's trying to work every angle through lies to destroy the image of God in the earth. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And it's messages like this that plumb line us back to truth because the culture is speaking loud and clear to try to be a louder voice than men and women of God right now, than the prophetic voice saying, this is healthy family. This is healthy marriage. This is healthy mothers and fathers relating to sons and daughters. This is healthy brothers and sisters. This is what it looks like instead of letting the world define that. Next slide. I talked a couple weeks ago about this problem of disconnection uh, with God and with one another, with ourselves. Do you know there are people in this room right now extremely lonely? Again, if we press the magic Jesus button, that makes you give an honest answer, not faking it. There are people in this room really lonely, really feeling isolated, mainly the enemy doing that work and cutting off, but people feeling disconnected. They may not feel disconnected to God or even their calling, but where a lot, where a lot of the dysfunction begins to break down is inside the walls of the church. It should, this room, this spiritual family, it should be a greenhouse for family. It's why I was loving seeing Heidi's kids up there with her. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a picture of heaven. It's such a picture of, of child, like a child shall lead them. Child like playing, Jill's having our little brother, like be the soldier bringing down that red flag, that crimson flag, amazing, powerful. I look at that and I go, heaven's breaking out on the earth. It's so glorious but loneliness and disconnection were never a part of the plan it was it's not supposed to be this room is to be a greenhouse where our relationships flourish that's why guys i'm so i harp on this i pray it all the time it must be in the well as it is in heaven it must be in indiana as it is in heaven what would it look like for us to walk on this side of the age entirely free from insecurity with one another? What if, we, what if we were so sharpened that the minute a little fiery dart tried to hit our armor or go into our mind, which is really where the battle is, 
uh, about a accusation against our brother or sister that it just pings off and we don't, we don't allow anything to go there because we're so about health and family. We just quickly deflect all that. Think about how, like how much work we could actually get done. Think about what we could do to move out and see great exploits in the earth. Next slide. The truth is this, the spirit of adoption, you were wanted from the very beginning. You know, guys, what I love about the spirit of adoption, um, it, uh, it was a dream that took place before the, wor- the earth was ever made. Out of the overflow of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're like, there's no way we cannot share this. This is so good. This feels so great. Father says to the son, oh, son, I adore you. I love you. Jesus says to the father, you are the most amazing father. They both look at Holy Spirit and they go, more, and they go crazy. And this love, like, circle of devotion just becomes like a raging volcano that never, ever ends. And out of this love affair, They come up with this idea, we have to give because God so loved the world that he gave. They're other-centered. Healthy family is other-centered. This giving spirit says we must create those that we can adopt and bring into this family. There's no way that we can keep this family to ourselves. You are here in this room because of God's explosive love for you that said, I can't keep this with just Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to bring others into it. And so he created, and he created this plan of adoption. I'm not just going to create and leave them. I'm going to bring them as though they're our very own flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone. I'm going to bring them into this family. They will be my sons and daughters. They will be a bride to my son. They will be a co-helper and partner with my Holy Spirit. So Galatians 6, 10, it says, you're now part of the household of faith. You're grafted into family and a community of friendship. This is why taking care of widows and orphans and their distress is so uh, the definition of pure and undefiled religion in God's eyes, James 1, 27. I love Psalm 68, 6. It says, he sets the solitary in a family. He finds those ones isolated, solitary, and he brings them into family. It's why I love love adoption. I feel like this message, I don't know if I would be able to preach it unless I was the message. Unless Sally and I were the message. We've been able, through the pain of not being able to have our own biological children, God used that to beat the hook out of us. How many of you know he can even use pain and natural circumstances as a hammer to beat that out so that we would turn our eyes to foster care and international adoption? And then I realized we're modeling what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit did, bringing us all into a family. So I can preach this message with authority on family because of the own pain and the decisions that we've walked through that this is what love looks like. We did one. We did too, and we're like, it just keeps growing. Our ta- I've had to get a lo- bigger and bigger table. Now I've got a giant farmhouse table. It's like the table keeps extending. Now we keep bringing, it's not just uh, family by adoption. It's like family by adoption. We got Nikki at her. I mean, it's like we got Jill and Jerry. We got Judy. It just keeps growing. Now we have this entire well family. The table just keeps getting longer and longer. It's so beautiful what he's doing. Uh, okay, I'm going to just look, uh, look at the next slide real quick. 
because I want to get to culture of honor. And I've got two minutes to do culture of honor. Oh, Jesus, help me. Okay, guys, I just want to encourage you to commit to a spiritual family. Some of you are just visiting here. Some of you, this is your home. You know you're rooted, you're grafted. Whatever you do, find a spiritual family. I don't care. I believe I'm pretty broad about what that looks like. I believe the local church is God's mechanism to bring his kingdom to the earth. But I think the local church can be a house church. I think it can be a campus ministry. I think it can be houses of prayer. I think where two or more gather in his name and they're committing to one another, they're growing, they're doing this love God, you know, receive identity, love one another, then go after the lost. That is the body. That's the church. And so commit to a spiritual family. But if you're here and God's leading you to the well, I really want to advocate that you commit to going, to getting deep roots here. And that means deep roots in relationship with one another. Amen? Okay, one minute. Let's see if I can do this. Culture of honor. Because this is really the crux of family. So honor, to glory in or promote, finding the gold in other amidst their flaws and sins, to encourage, restore, and promote them. A culture that does confrontation in a healthy way and is quick to forgive. I love this. It's relating in relational grace rather than shaming others into right behavior. It's to empower. It's to release others. It's to trust. Next slide. It's to give prestige to someone. It's typically easy to give prestige or honor to people we agree with or like. We have more difficulty offering respect and admiration to those who differ from us, to those we don't agree with. True honor is built on humility and the love of God. So joyful giving of our time, money, resources, ourselves to other only truly works in a culture of honor as we recognize just how valuable each other is. And so guys, the only time there are problems with finances in a local church is when there's problems with a culture of honor, when there's not enough, when people are withholding because of, of not being other-centered. So issues with giving, and this is not a giving message, but it really, family is, the heart of family is giving. When you see hold up and uh, hoarding to oneself, that is an issue of honor. That is a, f a fissure line in our midst that I believe that, God, that God's going after. So next slide, a culture of honor is the opposite of pride, control, a critical spirit being easily offended. If you see that in leadership, do not submit to it. I'm gonna get some people mad at me now, but look at me. If you see, I mean senior leaders, if you see them consistently now, I have bad days so please don't throw stones at me. But a consistent, a spirit of pride, control, a critical spirit, haughty, being easily offended, do not submit to it. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to lead a people like that. That's why we're going to go after help to, to really see these things, Jesus come and deliver us from, I mean, the overarching spirit. There's nothing worse than being in a spiritual family, a church that the overarching spirit is controlling criticism. It's deadly. Okay, so last one. Danny Silk. Got to end with Danny. Honor manifests when we disagree, not when we're getting along. Let's all stand together. I'll just throw that bomb on us and leave it right there. Hey, guys, my notes. So there's a couple more pages. Um, they'll be online, all of these series notes. So there's a few more really good slides. Culture of encouragement. Love each other deeply. It's there.
So, but culture of honor is where we're at. It's the, it's the kind of platform of family. So, Lord, and parents, if you uh, need to go get your kids, it's time. Go ahead. If you have them in the, one of the classes, go ahead and pick them up. Lord, I want to thank you for doing a deep work in this body. Lord, and I guess uh, I know I'm newer here, Jesus, but I, the tiny bit I know and I don't know a lot except by the Spirit is that there have been some, there's been some rough winds that have hit this place over the years that have affected relationships. There's been some unhealthy manifesta- manifestations in both leadership and among the saints. Lord, and we just want to say the, at the well, it's a new day. The oldest past. I ask that you would heal every place of disconnect with one another. Lord, you're doing, I'm seeing you do it with us and you. I'm even seeing people step out into their identities in a fresh way. But God, it has to now translate to one another. Lord, could the well be the healthiest? And by healthy, I mean most godly. Godly family in the greater Indianapolis area. Can you just make us that? Can you work? Can you work it? Can you bring us to a place that we can confront in a healthy way? We can work out conflict in a healthy way. We can resolve to love no matter what, that we will put your word as central underneath us. Lord, I ask you break off a spirit of isolation right now. Guys, we're in an epidemic of like churchlessness right now where culture is moving more and more. Some of that, the Lord's just squeezing the model. He's bringing new wineskins, but a lot of it is just a carnal reaction to being wounded by leadership in the church. So Lord, I just, in fact, I'll just do this to close because I'm a papa in this region. I've been in Indiana for the last, oh gosh, 10 years. So I just want to, stand in the gap and I just want to stand in proxy for any leader that has hurt you guys. So I ask that you would forgive me as I stand in proxy for any controlling, prideful, religious leader that's not held your heart in a way that's kind and healthy and safe. It's not valued or seen you with dignity and worth. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for a cleansing wave, a righting of wrongs, a fresh day, a fresh start. Lord, I pray that you'd make this place a house of friends, a family of affection. Wouldn't it be fun for the world to peek into this place and go, oh my gosh, look at how they love one another. <laughs> it's, that is supernatural. There's no way that no one else in the world is manifesting that. Look at the way the church loves one another. Do you want that? Just pray. Let's ask him for more, Lord. I just pray. Let us become those that the world peeks through the glass and they overhear the conversations and they go, Wow, 
that actually exist in the earth. I, didn't, I thought it was a joke. Come, Holy Spirit. Cause our roots to go deep with one another. Thank you, Lord. Here's what I'd like us to do. We're going to go ahead and dismiss. But if I could have anyone on the prayer team just come forward. I just feel like there's probably some individuals that you just want to deal deal with some of that disconnect. Um, you've been working on it with the Lord and with your own self, but also with, um, with each here in the body. Whether you come from another church or this has been your home. But I have one or two other people just come stand up here in front to pray with people. So anyone who needs prayer for that, just come, come to the front. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Hey, the word says, greet one another with a holy kiss. That is so anti-Western. It's totally Hebraic. Though, and we are not Greek, we're Hebrews. I'm a good Jew. You get me? Okay, that's who we are. We're grafted in. And so greet one another with a holy kiss. That may look like a high five or a hug. And so you always, always seriously, I'm being a papa right now, read body language, especially men and women. Like, if you need to give side hugs, do side hugs. But don't just be this. It's usually hurt that keeps people away from this. And always be sensitive because you never know what a person with a trauma person's coming out of. But bridge the gap between even this physical distance between people. Be safe. Be free. Be innocent of all evil. And you can have those kinds of relationships. Amen. So you're dismissed. Anyone who wants prayer, come ahead forward.